0: Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. Hi everyone, it's Tom here from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast in which I am thrilled to be in the presence of Sue Redfern MBE and that MBE is for services to cricket in the UK and beyond. Uh, But Sue is famed for her former playing career as an England cricketer, then turned to umpiring. She was the first lady to play and then umpiring an ODI World Cup. Uh, She's been an employee of the ECB, supporting the recreational game for the last 15 years. And um, it's fair to say she is absolutely uh, madly and passionately um, in love with the game of cricket. So uh, welcome, Sue, and thank you very much for giving us your time. Thanks very much, Tom. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, as is our um, our won't, uh, the the only question we kind of um, prescribe and prepare initially for all of our guests is please tell us and describe for us uh, how you first fell in love with the game.
1: So uh, I come from a cricketing uh, family, I suppose. My dad used to play, and my brother played. Uh, and then, when uh, we're in the summer holidays, uh, my brother was being dropped off uh, for a cricket week, uh, a coaching week. Uh, for the summer holidays, and uh, just as we were leaving the area, uh, the female coach who was going to be uh, coaching my uh, my brother was a lady called Enid Bakewell, uh, and she shouted my mum over. I was nine years old, and said, uh, "Why isn't Why isn't she staying? Why is she not going to be playing cricket?" And mum was like, "Oh, you know, is she too young? Do you know, does she want to do it?" And it and it went from there really. And then my brother and I spent endless summers playing Test match cricket in the park. Uh, joined uh, my brother's cricket team. Uh, played a lot. Alongside him in some junior teams and then mum and dad found me a women's cricket club, uh, which was Derby Women's Cricket Club and pretty much I fell in love with it from there really.
0: So how old were you when um, Enid when um, stopped you from leaving?
1: Uh, so it's was about nine, so, uh, yeah, so uh, about nine years old. And then I joined uh, kind of Eastwood Town Cricket Club in uh, the Derbyshire Knots border when I was probably around about 11. I uh, played a bit of junior cricket, under-13, under-15s and under-18s cricket for the boys. Uh, and, uh, yeah, played women's cricket from 13, so pretty young.
0: What, what was it like um, comparing the two experiences um, of playing, being... Um, yeah, a young girl playing alongside the boys versus uh, then joining a, a women's pathway.
1: Yeah, so uh, very different. I mean, you know, it was quite daunting playing in a boys' team. If I'm going to be honest, it was uh, obviously it was. Uh, I look back now retrospectively, and it was quite funny that you know the opposition used to snigger when I arrived, going, they've got a girl in the team that can't be very good. They've got a girl playing, and then I bowl uh, and whether I pick up a lot of wickets, Tom, because they you know just tried to hit me out the ground. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I was quite successful in the junior game. Uh, and then the comparison, I remember the first time I went to the Nets for the women's team. And, uh, you know, I later found out that, you know, the next age group to me was 25, so pretty much double my age. So, yeah, that was quite daunting. Uh, but I have to, you know, full credits, uh, was fully supported, fully looked after uh, by the Derby women and, and stayed with them for 16 years. So uh, yeah, kind of like it was two very different experiences. Uh, one that, you know, if I look back retrospectively, I think both of them shaped me as a cricketer for different reasons. Uh, so I look back at them both very fondly and, you know, Eastwood Town was just like any other community cricket club. You just fall in love with it. You spend all of your time there. You know, it's it's an, it's an extended family, really.
0: Yeah it's such a, a familiar phrase uh, but it still makes me smile when uh, i hear people describe their local cricket club as an extension uh, to their family yeah. uh, because it it's so true to say that um it plays that that role um so uh, fundamentally and you know i think the particularly for smaller clubs um where they're perhaps cricket only um it's a really important part of the community isn't it
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a place where you can feel you're in a safe environment, you know, there are people looking out for your children. Uh, and yeah kind of like the coaching which is on offer and the, the social activity it was more you know the, the playing was important and it is competitive for some people whereas for other people it's just the enjoyment factor of being part of a team uh, and, but the most important thing was off that field in a social environment as well you know so it wasn't just this cricket season it wasn't just the Saturday or Sunday you, you were literally we were there literally all the time as, as a family you know when when Mike and I that's my brother when we split our team. Teams. You know, kind of mum and dad spent a lot of time chasing, chasing around, going to different games. You know, my brother had been an under 18 game. I'd been an under-15 game from the club and, you know, obviously they'd be helping with travel arrangements for other children as well. So, you know, kind of like, I suppose in a way, it's kind of like, it's, it is like that extended family and, you know, it's, it's a safe environment. And, uh, yeah, you kind of like, I, I think for me, it shaped me as a person. So, you know, I, and I, I know that's a really profound thing to say, but it, it helps you grow up and it helps you be part of something and, and maybe respect something. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'd be like if I wasn't part of a team, you know kind of like if i hadn't been part of that experience probably growing up i, I feel very lucky and you know very thankful of my mum and dad for allowing us to have that opportunity
0: to yeah i think um it's it's, it's lovely to hear as well that appreciation uh, shown to uh, to your mum and dad because um i think even um it, well i was talking about this with friends over the weekend actually that um sport nowadays um and of course you know we we're talking about it in a in a period of lockdown where um, there isn't very, very well there's very very little sport available for adults or for children but particularly yeah. for for children um, it's it's very much organized it's structured it's it's available in a, like you say in a safe environment but it, it seems to be the case that a lot of those um, experiences that you mentioned in passing about playing test match cricket with your brothers um, you know those kind of uh, experiences are kind of on the wane um, If if you can get kids to a football club or a rugby club or gymnastics club or or cricket club indeed then they'll you know they'll take part they'll um feel as though they're part of that that community that club that team and they'll enjoy it but that kind of just play by yourself or play with a brother or play with a sister or play with a friend doesn't seem to be as common these days um which is which is a shame i think what 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 do you reckon
1: yeah, I think you know. Obviously, the society's changed. I suppose you know. I'm I'm not a parent myself, but I suppose there's you know wider safety issues, and there's a lot of other mm. things that you know can like compete with. You know sport for people's time for children's time uh and i suppose in a way it's kind of like pitching that so you know what what cricket clubs can do you know and are doing is they're adapting their environments and they're changing their offers to make it more available and more social in some ways. so you know kind of like when we were growing up you know mobile phones didn't exist and mm. you know it didn't matter about wi-fi whereas now it's really important you know if if you want people to stay in an environment then you want to put them you know you want more wi-fi mm. and you want to make sure that you know there's there's food and drink available really I suppose you know whereas maybe in the park spaces you know I know that uh, an initiative the England and Wales Cricket Board are doing at the moment is uh, increasing the number of opportunities in park spaces for cricket to try and bring back cricket into those environments and try and capture kids and capture that you know what we remember to be that excitement around playing cricket uh, you know I think back now and I think actually what we were doing as, as kids unsupervised you know with my brother and uh, his friends you know we play on just a great You know, in the end, the local park keeper used to cut us a strip. You know, and it wasn't on the square; it was just off the square, and we'd just play for days on that grass strip. And you just think, how maybe you know, we played with a hard ball, there were no helmets. You know, probably how dangerous that was. Now, whereas you know, that cricket club can play that part; they can they can provide that safe environment. So, you know, for me, it doesn't matter where you play as long as you've got that opportunity to play. To be honest.
0: Yeah, very well said, and uh, I think also. Um, very sort of pertinent use of language in terms of structured versus unstructured play, uh, but but equally uh, they you know they both play an important part. Um, and, and I think listening to you say that you know uh, being part of a cricket club, both at Eastwood and then when you join Derby, um, you know shaping you as a as a person, um, I think is you know again a, a really important sort of observation and, and reflection upon yourself. Um, and I, and I think it shows you again the importance that a a sport can play. Um, you did you did also use words which I've heard other guests talk about not just in relation to being perhaps the only girl um, in a, in a boys team, but also uh, you used it in relation to being the youngest in the women's team. So you used that word uh, of kind of feeling daunted. So um, you must have had some some kind of. Um, you know, resilience, um, grit, um, strength of character, um, you know, mental toughness, call it what you will, uh, to to kind of see beyond that feeling of uh, of being a bit daunted initially, to, to get the enjoyment and, and satisfaction out of it that you did.
1: Yeah, and, and again, I think it's just down to individuals and the reason why you play. Uh, you know, there'll be different motivations, I think there'll be different people who play for different reasons. Mm. For me, you know, I wanted to play competitively. Women's cricket was the obvious choice for me to go down a route. You know, playing women's cricket gave me the opportunity to play for England. Uh, and, you know, initially it felt daunting, but I, what I would say is kind of like the women's team made me feel really welcome included me in things and, and you know, helped me grow up really, you know, treated me like an adult, but taught me through it and, you know, gave me consideration, you know, so when, you know, there was jokes, it was kind of like, it was very, you know, it was it was very considerate, you know, so it helped me shape, grow up into an adult really. So I think, you know, for me, it kind of like, yeah, that initial phase of take a deep breath, Dive in, you know, kind of like it didn't go too bad. I'll go back and see how how good that was. Yeah, actually, I want to play cricket and I want to keep playing cricket. Uh, yeah, I enjoy the men's cricket, I enjoy the boys' cricket, but yeah, I can see a route here and I'm enjoying that as well. So, yeah, very very different, two very different experiences, Tom, in terms of you know, obviously the the uh, availability of men's cricket and junior cricket when I was growing up uh, was significantly more uh, local to in comparison to women's cricket, and in some cases, it's still the case where for women's cricket you have to travel so much further to play the game. So, you know, kind of like very different in terms of, you know, I'd go and play a four or five hour game uh, for men's cricket, whereas, you know, I'd be literally, it'd be 12, 14 hours in a whole day to kind of like play the women's game. So, you know, that social interaction was so much more, I suppose, because you're travelling with the teams as well.
0: Yeah, it's, got, it, it's another point that seems to have cropped up um, with a number of, of previous guests um, out of out of interest, which is, that that uh you know that sheer uh, additional amount of time that um, had to be undertaken uh, by um, young female players um, in order to get a game um, of, of a particular competitive standard, um, yeah, you know, it wasn't the case that it was done um, more local to home or more local to um, you know on a regional basis. It was you had to travel much further afield and even. I don't know whether you played in. Did you used to play in the um, the festival down at Cambridge University?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was county championships. Yeah. so uh, There was in in my day growing up, it was club cricket, county cricket, which could sometimes be multiple counties grouped together to create one team. So to start with, I played for East Midlands, and then Derbyshire broke away, and I played for Derbyshire. So yeah, can I Cambridge? Uh, it was five days of cricket, six days, I think, to start with. We literally played every day. Uh, against other counties in your division so all the counties were in one place which was one big festival of women's cricket uh, which you know has its positives but at the same time it also kind of like you think about you're a coach you know kind of like the overload of Fast bowling, things like that, but also as well, kind of, like if you have wet weather, the impact that has on your season because it was just your season, that was your county season, really. Yeah, uh, that one festival. So, yeah, kind of like pros and cons, but a very enjoyable social environment, I think, in in terms of uh, the county work.
0: Uh, what was just um, briefly, if you don't mind, just telling us a little bit about that transition from teenager into to adulthood within the England environment? How did that all? uh come to pass
1: yeah so for me uh very much kind of like i it just happened uh you know i i i was selected through cambridge through this county championship into junior uh, well squad training uh i'd literally uh kind of like been involved in junior england for a couple of years so i was, I was kind of like effectively talent scouted i suppose uh and then uh in 1993, uh, I actually went to watch the women uh, in the World Cup final at Lords in the stands with my cricket club. So we all went down in the minibus uh, to watch the game, the final live. And, uh, you know, uh, a, f- a thrilling match. It's still one of probably the better matches of uh, Women's World Cup finals in terms of uh, England just managed to uh, snatch uh, victory in the 93. And uh, there were a couple of players in that team who were my teammates for East Midlands women. Uh, you know, so, kind uh, I literally that winter, after that, after that success in 93, I got called into the winter training squad. So I'm suddenly, you know, come out. I, I didn't know a few of those players because obviously I played alongside them, but for many kind of like they're my, my idols so, so you know I was a 16-year-old, kind of like very young, into a winter training squad. And then the following summer, I was off to Ireland for the uh, European Cup because we used to play in a European Cup as an England team. Uh, and that was my first England tour. And then uh, the following winter, I was off to India for seven weeks with, you know, uh, 15 other ladies who, you know, to be perfectly honest, the, the only thing you have in common with your teammates, realistically, is you play cricket, you know. You everybody is, you know, the age differences. Uh, in those days, we used to work, so we all had different jobs. You know, we weren't uh, full-time professional cricketers. Uh, so, yeah, seven weeks uh, in India was kind of like the first major tour which we had, uh, to which I was the youngest. A couple of other kind of like teenagers in the team who were on their first tour. It was the first time I'd been away from home. Uh, but other than that, we had the upper age groups. So there were kind of like literally some mid-30-year-olds in that team as well. Uh, and the blend, you know, it's all credit really to the management team that were out there with us. You know, you just make it work, and yet yeah, you have some spats. But you know, ultimately, you're a team, and you come together. Uh, so uh, you have your groups who probably you socialise with more, uh, but uh, ultimately, you're there for one purpose, and that's to win cricket matches.
0: What What was it like though, as being that young, you know one of the youngest ones in the group? What was it like, especially with you said it was your first time away from home? Um, in that capacity, what what would you say, or how would you look back on it as a, an experience from a, a person, not just as a cricketer?
1: Yeah, I think uh, if I look back critically at it, I wish that, you know, kind of like in a, in some respects I probably took it a little bit for granted, it just happened and kind of like, you know, you're very young and you know, for me it was kind of like actually I didn't really fully appreciate the opportunity I was being given, so if I look back quite critically at that, I'd probably kind of like say you know, uh, retrospect. Effectively, I would have liked to have tried harder and worked harder to kind of like learn more, learn more from the people around me and from the coaches to, to improve, really, as a player. You know, so you know, kind of like I look back at that with a little bit of regret that I could have been a better cricketer. Uh, but uh, on the flip side of that, you know, I, I had some achievements and I had some successes on the pitch, which I'm really proud of. Uh, and yeah, kind of like I, I got the opportunity to play cricket for England, which I'm really grateful for.
0: Um, well, I mean, wow! I mean, talking to somebody who's actually played for England, I'm I'm pretty uh, grateful for uh, for this conversation, Sue. To be honest with you, um, so it, it, you you know, one one of the things I uh, I used to by way of introducing you is that you're uh, the first um, female to play and then umpire in a in a, an ODA ODI World Cup. So, um, before we we turn to hearing more about you moving from playing into umpiring um what was it like playing in um a world cup having watched the, yeah. the final in 93 and you know uh i perhaps thought maybe one day that could happen to you
1: yeah so uh obviously selection for that uh you know, worked hard, wanted to be selected for the World Cup in 97. I had a really good summer in 97. Uh, so uh, South Africa were over here in our summer. Uh, and I won Player of the Series. So obviously, kind like of, I would set myself up in a really good position to be selected, which I was. Uh, we travelled out for, I think, November, December. I think the tournament was, uh, I think the final was towards the end of December. And, uh, yeah, getting out to a World Cup. Uh, I, I'd already been to India, so that really helped. Uh, because you know what to expect, Uh, I travelled there for that seven week tour in 95, Uh, you know uh, the difference, even the difference in funding and financing between those two years was massive, you know so in 95 it was uh, Women's Cricket Association fully funded uh, but we would pay for certain equipment and attire and we'd have no sponsorship, Uh, we'd stay in very basic accommodation uh, in India whereas in 97 uh, there was a little bit of the uh, TCCB which is the predecessor of ECB had invested a little bit of money into it and it was just to the point where ECB were merging I think and, and forming uh, so uh, the Women's Cricket Association were in talks so funding for that was kind of like a little bit better and the tournament itself was a little bit better funded so we stayed in better accommodation uh, and, and the difference really kind of like is obviously, you know, it's a different mentality, it's knockout cricket, you know, pretty much every game really does matter uh, and there's something at the end of it and you want to get there and, you know, you've got a variety of teams, mixture of abilities uh, that you want to beat and, uh, yeah, just uh, really disappointing that we we lost out to New Zealand in the semi, uh, and didn't make the final. So, uh, yeah, kind of like a bit of a disappointment really, uh, in terms of, uh, that, that World Cup journey.
0: And uh, well, I think you're being a bit harsh, uh, harsh on yourself, considering, considering, um, what, what I've listened to so far. Uh, I mean, um, uh, I'm reading, uh, Kath Bishop's book at the moment, um, former Olymp- Olympic, uh, rower. Um, and then you know, since then she's done some amazing things, uh, as an ambassador and, um, part of the diplomatic service and then working in business, but she's looking at the whole concept of how we measure success and how we um, define the word winning, you know, our, our sort of obsession with winning. Uh, so to hear you talk about, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's a disappointment that you got knocked out. And that, yeah, I, I accept as a player, you know, being disappointed, but equally, I'm sure there must be um, as much, if not, you know, more good things to think back on and, and um, you know, proud moments to have accomplished not only um, playing in in the the World Cup, but getting through to the semi final. Uh, bearing in mind, you know, four years ago, uh, or prior to that, you were actually, you know, watching some of your teammates and um, playing in that final um, in which they won. So, um, I suppose it, you know, maybe may, maybe you could you could sort of come back in terms of um, that observation from me um, in relation to Kath Bishop's book and uh, and comment on you know that that sort of um, dilemma or that sort of dichotomy between balancing the enjoyment of winning versus the enjoyment of progressing, developing, getting to that point that you did in the tournament and, and as a player, you know, the, the fact that you managed to, to get that far.
1: Yeah, I think, Tom, for sure. I think you learn, you know, I think you learn from every single experience you have uh, and every opportunity you have to go out and compete. Uh, you know, you can apply different things, you can try different things and, you know, ultimately you can achieve individual goals and they will demonstrate certain things and apply certain things and, and do that. And, uh, you know, yet they are absolute successes, uh, you know, but overall, I think at the heart of it, you know, you're playing competitive sport. Uh, And you want to be the world's best, and that's what you wanted to go there for. That's what you, you know, you do. You know, for me, I did the three casual jobs you know, in advance of going out so I could pay for it to make sure that, you know, I could afford to go. Uh, you do the, the, the training around your casual jobs or your full-time employment, you know, and you put in the hard yards to try and be the best you can be. Uh, and yeah, of course, kind of like, you know, there are individual moments where you, you're pleased with your performance, but, you know, ultimately, kind of like it was disappointing. I think the game, how it went, uh, we probably didn't strategically do what we needed to do. We didn't apply what we needed to do. You know, and I think that's probably you know come kind of like out there was a bit, little bit more left on the field, and we could have done a little bit better. Uh, but you know, come kind of like, yeah, absolutely. Come kind of like to get to the World Cup and to to perform in some of the games which we performed in, absolutely positive, for sure.
0: Isn't it incredible though to to think back um, to you know what you just said there, 1997, and you know potentially, um, although you've been selected, you might not have been able to go if you couldn't have afforded it. Um, you know isn 't that incredible to to think that you know that 's just well 24, 20, 23, 24 years ago um and it 's only only just in the last twelve months or so where um that's that 's changed for county players um but you yeah, the the transformation in terms of the england women 's setup from ninety seven to the present day is probably quite remarkable would you agree?
1: Oh, and it's brilliant and it's brilliant to see that transformation and uh, you know kind of like in some respects it's slower than what we'd hope it to be uh, you know and I think from from my perspective to know that kind of like in 97 98 you know cricket was supported as it was then and, and you know ultimately we were you know amateur sports people who you know fisted it around our full-time jobs or our education and to, to move into now, where the girls, you know, kind of, I think the biggest thing for me is kind of like the breadth now, you know, and the fact that it's not just the England players who are being contracted and are professional cricketers, Yeah. that depth into the county, so, you know, you're not selected for England, that's not the end of your career and you can still make a career path play out of it, and I think that's the biggest excitement for me to see that transformation over the period of time, and, you know, what does that mean for the future, it's really exciting for women's and girls cricket. that in the future you know every girl can say do you know what I can be a professional cricketer or I can do this in cricket and that's that's what we're here for and that's you know that fills me with joy that actually can I you know we're part of that history that means that you know in the future hopefully this generation and beyond can do whatever they want in cricket and and they should feel like that and that's you know that's really exciting.
0: Couldn't agree more that's really why we've ended up kind of Um, on this pathway on this journey with this podcast series uh, for those absolute those very reasons Um, so let's let's hear from yourself then in terms of your experience from deciding to move um, from your playing uh, career days or playing playing days into umpiring how did that all come about Sue and um, what gave you the inspiration or who gave you the inspiration or the idea to, to look at that as an option
1: Yep, so I suppose really it came from my dad. Uh, he used to umpire when I was a kid in, in some leagues, uh, so it came from him. Uh, But uh, when I finished playing, obviously, I played a little bit of club cricket for a few years after I finished playing competitive, and I just got to the point where I no longer wanted to play. It was the end of my playing time. I was ready to stop, but it didn't mean I wanted to stop being involved in cricket, and you know, even though I was working in cricket, I still wanted to do something, you know, in a volunteer capacity. Uh, Decided coaching definitely wasn't for me. I got my coaching badges, uh, decided that scoring really wasn't for me, and I wanted to give it a go, um, umpiring. Off I went uh, to a 13 week Monday evening course uh, where we went through Law 1 to Law 42 uh, in a very cold room, less Uh, so we went through that. And you know, fair credit to the tutor was uh, a local legend, John Jameson, who just knows the laws inside out and has applied them and has been an umpire and you know, really inspiring. Uh, And yeah, kind of like I just got linked uh, from that course, I joined the local association. I didn't have an affiliation with a uh, club in my area, so I joined a local league panel uh, which was a cricket league and then just started from there so that was in 2013 Uh, I started umpiring uh, and it went from there really so uh, yeah I can remember my first match uh, umpiring I just had butterflies you know kind of walking out onto the pitch and I just remember thinking to myself I have no idea what I'm meant to be doing here because you know I know the laws now I understand the laws of the game but i I've seen this game of cricket from a player's perspective, and I'm not really sure. I know exactly what the umpire is doing. So, you know, for a season, it was kind of like maybe I wasn't in the right positions. Uh, but yeah, kind of like the first game was uh, pretty daunting as well. So, who were who were,
0: um, who were the, uh, the teams playing when you umpired first that first game?
1: So, uh, I think it was uh, kind of like a team called Aston uh, Trent Aston. Aston Trent, uh, which are up in uh, Warwickshire. Uh, I can't remember the away team, it might have been Tamworth or somebody, but uh, literally uh, it was a short game, Tom, if I'm in one of the teams wasn't necessarily on form, Uh, so it was a very short game of cricket, uh, and uh, yeah, kind of like it was uh, my first introduction into uh, men's league cricket for a while, and uh, yeah, umpiring it as well.
0: How did, the, how did the guys um, take to you? How, how did they uh, respond to, to uh, seeing you take to the field, officiate over their game?
1: Yeah, uh, for some for some people, in the, certainly in the first couple of seasons, uh, some people mistook me for the scorer, so they didn't realise that I was going to be umpiring, they just saw the ECB ACO badge, just assumed I was a scorer. Uh, obviously, when they found out I was an umpire, they were like, oh, wow, okay, uh, big concern about where to get changed, uh, but I was like, you know, pretty cool about that, we can do a rotor system, you know, we can work it out, it's not a big problem for me. Uh, and then and then the other factor was uh, I think you know kind of like I get asked this a lot about whether or not I was tested maybe uh, so you know excessive appealing or anything like that and I just think you know generally I think players see a new umpire uh, you know they are familiar with a lot of other umpires if they see them quite regularly year in year out and I think if they see a new umpire not necessarily because I'm a female umpire they might potentially just try it uh, just see you know how I'm going to adapt to different situations so uh, you know, I think I'd probably do that as a player as well, if I'm being honest. So uh, I think you know, kind of once you once you know, obviously, kind of like I think you know, you kind of like I treat it as just any other umpire. And I, and I suppose ultimately, I'm judged on the decisions I make, and, and that's what I want really.
0: Uh, I think that's about, that's uh, that's quite fair. I think you know, having played uh, local cricket, I think um, in the northeast uh, when I was younger, I, I used to get to know the umpires, you know faces and characters quite well um because it, it was t- it was typically the same kind of bunch of people that you'd see uh, year in year out so um so when uh when new faces appeared you you do kind of test the boundaries a little bit and see um see how how yeah. you get on um so yeah I th- it, it's nice to hear that um you felt it wasn't necessarily because uh, you were female but just because you were uh, a new umpire on the, on the block on the rounds as it were yeah. So how how did things progress then from that very first game uh, between Aston and Tamworth in twenty thirteen to you know um, the heady heights of uh, international cricket?
1: Yeah, so uh, a couple of years later, uh, kind of like there was an initiative because the Women's World Cup was coming up in two thousand seventeen. Uh, ECB were, you know, how great would it be to have female officials at the Women's World Cup in 2017, have we got any female officials, you know, and kind of like start as a pathway to try and support a female official to get to the World Cup. Uh, As part of that, uh, I was selected for the ICC Development Panel. Uh, and subsequently selected for the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, I feel very fortunate. It's probably a culmination of timing, uh, an opportunity, really. But, uh, you know, kind of, I was made aware I'm still sitting on the ICC development panel, you know, and, and I feel very lucky to, to be part of that panel. And, you know, ultimately my selection to tournaments or fixtures is very much now performance based. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just important I keep learning and developing for some fantastic umpires I get the opportunity to stand with. Uh, you know, from from this country and around the world, really, I, I, it's a real pleasure to see, you know, uh, different umpiring and different perceptions. So, uh, yeah, I feel incredibly lucky on that.
0: Again, I think you're being um, very, very modest, um, Sue, because there's no way that uh, you'd have been, um, you know, uh, progressed through to uh, that stage of the 2017 World Cup if you didn't have ability, um, as well as uh, you know the the timing element, the. Uh, yeah, the the ICC um, panel um, part of it, etc. Um, so uh, clearly, uh, you found your calling uh, from that um, that first thirteen uh, uh, week course you did with John Jameson to you know to then uh, fast forward a few years and uh, and be given the opportunity to umpire on on that stage. What what did that feel like when you walked out for that that first match?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh... Just, you know, every game of cricket, song, whether I was a player or whether I'm an umpire, uh, that I feel physically sick. Uh, <laughs> you know, kind of like the nerves, the butterflies. Uh, I describe it as, you know, just kind of like genuinely, I've got a, a whole bunch of butterflies that are just flying around in my stomach. Uh, and, you know, the key for me is just try and do something, you know, use my tactics, butterflies, just forming a group and just flying together that you know one nice line, which calms me down and then you know kind of like, I think the key thing for me is just that call of play getting out I mean obviously in a World Cup. Doing the national anthems before, you know, it's a little bit of extra time. You've got to wait. You just want to get out on that pitch, call play, be completely calm, and just do the job that you've been taught to do, you know, and you've got experience in doing. So, you know, kind of like for the initial, you know, yeah, walking out, absolute bag of nerves, but then, you know, all your training kicks in and your experience kicks in, I hope. That we, you know, come kind of out calm and, and make the right decisions, really. So, uh, yeah, uh, just you know, uh, a similar feeling to playing, really. You know, it's just such a great opportunity to watch some great cricket and to be part of some great cricket.
0: Well, we, you know, you mentioned the national anth- anthems there. Um, we uh, talked with, um, I don't know whether you know this uh, this this amazing um, young lady called uh, Denisha Devnerine, um who's uh, now head coach of the South African Under 19s team, and she. Um, she played for South Africa um, on tour to to England, uh, probably about I would think I would guess probably ten twelve years ago. Uh, but she de- she yeah. described it as goosebumps uh, the way she felt and goosebumps from not just the hearing the first note of the South African national anthem but all the way through playing that Test match at Lords. She described the whole process as being yeah full of goosebumps. But as far as um, hearing the uh, you know the national anthem was concerned um were you expected as an umpire to sing um because you know cause the cameras don't ha- the, ca- the cameras pan don't they across the players but uh, i don't know whether yeah, the umpires are expected to or given that sort of communication beforehand that that's what you should do
1: so so I suppose we've never really talked about it, but I don't think we do sing, uh, and that's not because you know I'm patriotic, not patriotic, but you know it's in an ICC tournament you wouldn't ordinarily uh, umpire your team. So obviously I wasn't umpiring England in the World Cup, but obviously in home internationals. So this year I did the West Indies, England. You know, uh, had there been uh, national anthems, would I have sung it? Probably not. Uh, just for the respect of the other team, really, and I think you know, kind of like for me, first and foremost, you know, kind of like I've got a job to do. Uh, you know, when I'm off the field, I'm a supporter of England, I'm an ex England player, but on the field, you know, I really don't care who wins as long as I do my job properly. You know that's that's the key thing for me. So yeah, there's been times though, Tom, where there are you know some outside of some national anthems, there are some national anthems that you know are quite catchy tunes, uh, and uh, I have uh, had to fight uh, not singing along to a particular national anthem, which isn't England's, uh, just because it's a great tune, if I'm being honest. So uh, I have to just be careful, really. But uh, yeah, kind of like it's uh, yeah you know it's respect really for both teams uh, in when.
0: To your MC, uh, England competing. Great answer, brilliant answer. I've never even thought about asking that, but I just thought, you know, I, I've always, uh, I've always felt a little bit of empathy towards players who perhaps don't like singing. Um, it, and it, and yet, you know, they're expected in a in a tournament to sing the national anthem. And, and if they don't, you know, the cameras tend to hone in on them because they're not singing. And I wondered no, if it was, if, if it was the same for, uh, for the officials, but you've answered that really well.
1: Yeah, I, I really don't want the cameras and the microphone on me. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I definitely don't want the microphone to be on
0: me when I'm singing something because that would definitely stop the audience watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. So uh, I guess... Um, a, a final question to, 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 to consider is um, how, how do you think uh, the players, first of all, would uh, describe your style of umpiring? Um, and then secondly, how do you think your fellow umpire um, umpires would describe your uh, style of umpiring? Hey,
1: so I'm really sorry, the internet connection went on on the first question.
0: Yeah, no, it's OK. The, the signal's been a bit... Uh, 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 sort of inconsistent hasn't it but we're we're working through it uh so my my first the first part of that question the first part of the question was how do you think players would describe your style of, of of umpiring um so particularly bearing in mind you know you having listened to your story and your um playing career and how much you got out of that uh, but then turning your attention to umpiring, how how do you think players would would describe you as a an on field official?
1: Great question, uh, and I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I think uh, you know they'd probably uh, talk about me having a presence on the field. Uh, would talk about me probably being fair. Uh, I'd like to hope being consistent, uh, but uh, yeah, probably assertive but fair. Uh, so yeah that's that's possibly how it would
0: maybe be the question and what about your fellow um colleagues as umpires how how would they view view you or do you think um you know you, i wonder if you if the roles were reversed and you had an opportunity to i'm not going to mention claire Polisak, but you know uh, i have but I if like you,
1: you. <laughs> Yeah, so so I'd like to hope that uh, colleagues would see me as a team player uh, and somebody who's really supportive. Uh, you know, one thing I've absolutely learned more in umpiring than any other field I've been involved in uh, is the teamwork you need and, and the togetherness you need as a group of uh, colleagues is there. So, you know, for me, kind of like that teamwork and that backing your colleague up and supporting your colleague... Uh, you know, is is definitely kinda at top of the list for me in terms of, you know, I want to be seen by my colleagues to be, you know, a trusted colleague, teammate.
0: Well I think that's such a um a, a a fantastic way to kind of um conclude this chat Sue because that's been a, a consistent message that um you know we've we've listened to you um talk about so passionately in terms of the the importance of that word teamwork and uh, whether it be when you were you know growing up as a as a junior in either the the boys uh, teams or uh, then in the women's teams when you first started playing women's uh, county cricket for Derbyshire through to that tour that, where you described the importance of team uh, when you went to India for the first time uh, to then obviously playing in the world cup um and and now you know full circle as an umpire saying how important um the respect and working together uh, as colleagues is as a team again so um it's been a an absolute privilege to to listen to uh your journey through uh the sport of cricket both as a player and um and as an umpire and we haven't even talked about your time within the ECB but maybe we can uh, we can arrange that for a for a future chat but thank you so much um for giving us your time and sharing your your cricket story uh with us um and I'm sure Everyone who who listens regularly to the the podcast show um, will absolutely love uh, listening to this story. So thank you very much, Sue.
1: Thanks, Tom. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing as well. It's great. So thank you for that.
0: No, it's, it's a it's a pleasure and really enjoying it. I'm the lucky one because I'm get I get to, to to chat to you guys individually. So, um, thanks again, Sue. And if you you like this particular podcast, please um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, for the very first time, we've actually got a sponsor for this is the first uh, episode we're going to have a sponsor for, which is for uh, Firecrest Cricket, which is an independent. Uh, bat maker and um, and cricket kit supplier for both children and adults. Uh, so anybody listens to this particular show and wants to uh, check out uh, Firecrest online, uh, please use uh, the discount code CC three six five and you'll get ten percent off uh, your Firecrest purchase. Sue uh, Redfern, MBE, thank you ever so much and um, have a great afternoon thanks for listening everybody as a reminder each cricket coach 365 podcast will be released every friday at 6 p.m on spotify and apple play after listening please leave us a positive review on spotify and share it with your friends and contacts you can also follow us on instagram at cricket underscore coach 365 have a great day